welcome to the podcast for Sunday, September 4th, 2016. May God use this as a blessing to you today. And now, Pastor Angela Galanis Price. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, you who are our rock and our redeemer. We invite you, Holy Spirit, here in this space. Thank you for coming and blessing us already. Soften our hearts so that we can hear your word, so we can receive your message, and so our lives can be changed. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to reflect your light in the world. So change our character and make us more like you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Now, how many of you have used this phrase before? I want to see some (laughs) hands. Okay. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Now, I don't know about you, but I was curious about the origins of this phrase. And I was looking on the internet, and one of the stories that it presented was with the little boy... He saw his dad, this is a country boy, he saw his dad smoking a cigar, and he really wanted to try it. So when dad wasn't looking, he went into the smoke box, grabbed a cigar, and he headed out to the shed. And there he lit it, and of course it smelled. Dad smelled the smell, come the smoke coming from the shed, and he started walking towards the shed. And the boy heard the footsteps of dad quickly tried to snuff it out, but couldn't. I mean, he tried really hard and put it in his back pocket. Dad comes in, and he's like, I smell smoke. What's going on? And the boy, of course, tried very hard to deceive his dad. No, Dad, it wasn't me. I don't know what this is, and so forth. And all of a sudden, there was a spark in the back of his pants, the cigar caught on fire of his pants, and so he was on fire, and the dad said, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Literally, your pants are on fire. Your lie is evident, my son, basically he was saying. So some of us are good deceivers, good liars, and some of us are not so good at lying. And there's actually a test. And we could do it this morning. Were you ever curious if you're a good deceiver or a bad deceiver? Has that ever crossed your mind? All right, so here's how it's going to go. I want you to imagine, and play with me, play with me, because I know you want to know. Imagine the letter Q, the capital letter. There's a circle and a tail to it, right? So I want you to take your finger right now. Nobody's looking, trust me. Nobody cares. (laughs) And write the letter on your forehead. Just take your finger and put a circle and then put the tail, right? All right. Some of you put the tail on the right. Some of you put the tail on the left. If you put the tail on the right, you're a bad liar. If you put the tail on the left, congratulations, you're a good liar. Some of you are laughing because you know it's true. (laughs) Either way, either way. The reason why uh, is because this lady, Pamela Myers, she's known as the the best-known expert on lying, 
and she's certified fraud examiner, Pamela Myers, says that people that write the cue with the tail on the right, they're writing it from their own perspective. People that are writing the tail on the left, they're writing it from the other person's perspective. Hence, they're high monitors of self and are good at monitoring what other people want to see. Hence, they could be, if the opportunity came up, good liars. Now, how much lying happens like in a day? I know we all think that we're good Christian, honest folks, and I know we are. But according to Pamela, uh, 10 to 200 times a day you will be lied to. So somebody is lying. There's a lot of lying going on. In fact, she says strangers lie three times in the first 10 minutes they meet. Curious. Extroverts lie more than introverts, maybe because they talk more. Men lie eight times more about themselves. And women lie more to protect others. She goes on to say that lying starts from the beginning of, of our birth. Babies, she says, uh, begin lying even when they cry. They cry a little bit. They pause to see if anybody is looking. And then they lie more. They keep crying. Five-year-olds, she claims, are very good at flattery. That's how they get into <laughs> Get themselves out of trouble. If you have a five-year-old, you know how that's, what this looks like. Nine-year-olds are good at the cover-up. They're able to cover up. She claims that college students will lie to their parents, specifically their mother, one in every five interactions. There's a lot of lying going on. She claims that we are in a post-truth society and that we have a deception epidemic. And this is true because most of us, especially when we feel threatened, especially if we feel like we've been stuck in a corner and we're trying to preserve or survive or whatnot, we will lie to get out of trouble. It's a part of our biology, but God wants us to have good character. Why? God calls us to have a vulnerable honest relationship with God and each other. You see, my friends, if we think that lying, we'll get ahead uh, in life by lying, we, we miss this opportunity to have the relationship that God wants for us. You think, well, if I say a little white lie to the person I love, it's not a big deal. But where does it stop? Where does the lying stop? One lie and then leads to another, then leads to another. And then your whole relationship is based on a lie. Yet yet God calls us to have these vulnerable, honest relationships, these authentic relationships. God asks for us to present our authentic self, not our pretend self, our authentic self in relationship. When we read the Bible the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the different stories, what's peculiar about this Judeo-Christian book is that the stories are blatantly honest. Think about this. Most people that write history, don't they write it with the, with the idea, in, well, in the past at least, 
how to make themselves look the best. I mean, history has known that the victor creates history, writes history down about how good they were and so forth. But the Bible has stories about how awful people were. (laughs) What purpose is there a book about all the different ways people have failed? Well, it's an example of what it looks like to have vulnerable, honest relationships. Revealing ourselves, being open with our downfalls, and that in that way, God uses that to build relationships. There's so many books in the Old Testament about people crying out to God and being mad at God. You think, what's the purpose of that? There's a whole book called Lamentations. (laughs) They're lamenting in the whole entire book. Why? Because it depicts to us what an honest relationship looks like. And when we're not feeling it, and when our hearts are grieved, then God instructs us to be honest with God. There's a story about deception. There's many stories about deception in the the Bible, but there's one particular story about deception with Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. This is the whole family. And I invite you now to turn to Genesis 27. You can pick up a Bible, and it will be up here as well. And I will give you a little bit of a context for that story. We read the beginning part of the story. Rebecca and Isaac are this couple. And at one point, they were in love, and everything was good, but life has passed by. And this couple, they don't have the same ideas about how to treat their sons. They have these twin twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And Rebecca is favors Jacob, and Isaac favors Esau. And so the story begins with Isaac coming to the end of his days, and he's about to die. And according to the tradition, he is to bless his family. But we come up with a problem right away. See, Isaac was supposed to call in both his sons and bless them. But he didn't do that. He only called in Esau. And that's very peculiar in the story, why he wouldn't call both his sons to bless them both. Yes, it would be different, but both of them deserved a blessing from their father. He calls on Esau, and he's like, I'm going to bless you. Go hunt something. Bring me some food. And when I, after I eat, I'll bless you. I'll give you your inheritance, and that will be it. Mom overheard this. The tents weren't soundproof, I guess. Um, Rebecca overheard this, and she went straight to her son and said, Listen, your dad is about to give everything to Esau. This is not fair. How is this fair? I have a plan. We're going to deceive your dad. You're going to go and wear Esau's clothes. You're going to smell like Esau. You're gonna make, we're going to make him food. You're going to pretend you're Esau. And, J- uh, and Jacob is like, whoa, mom, this is crazy. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but basically, like, he's going to know I'm not Esau, mom. Like, I don't sound like Esau. She's like, oh, yeah, he's really hairy. So let's put some uh, hairy, like, skin uh, from the animal on your, on your arm and deceive him. What a silly plan. Anyways, Jacob said, fine. Okay, mom, I'll do it. So this is where our story begins, Genesis 27. He's going to enter into his dad's tent. Uh, Back then they lived in tents. And he's going to try to deceive his dad because he believes he deserves a blessing and the inheritance. So this is what happens. 
verse 18, Genesis 27, starting at verse 18. So he went into his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Esau came out like a second earlier than Jacob. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. Wow, he's really forceful there, telling his dad, sit up, eat, and bless me, right? But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. So a couple things here. Number one, it's the Lord your God. It's not the Lord my God. So we see here that Jacob did not have this relationship, this authentic relationship with God. And we don't know why. We don't know exactly why the relationship wasn't there. And number two, not only did he lie to his dad, but he took God's name in vain. He professed that God did something that God didn't do, and that was against the Ten Commandments. I mean, this is a way to really blaspheme against God. Yet Jacob here was trying... You see, one lie led to another, led to another. It kind of snowballed on him. Verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son, Esau, or not. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. How peculiar that he fell for this, right? He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands, so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. So he's lied several times here for the blessing. Then he said, this is verse 25, then he said, bring it to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it to him and he ate And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near me and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him. So here's another thing that's really peculiar. If Esau was as hairy as the Bible says he was, wouldn't he have a beard? I don't know. Maybe everyone had a beard. And But either way, The father wasn't able to distinguish between the sons. And he blessed them and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And this is the beginning of the blessing here in verse 28. May God give you of the dew of heaven, meaning may it rain. To to have a harvest is a really beautiful thing at that time. And of the fatness of the earth, so you can have the the bounty of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you, meaning let everybody respect him. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So anybody who uh, is conniving and wishes him ill, May that return back to them and everyone who blesses him and wishes that he does well, may that bless them as well. This was a traditional blessing of the father to a son. So what happened next? Of course, Isa 
found out he wasn't blessed and he was mad. Wouldn't you be mad? <laughs> um, and he had this interaction with his dad. And of course, you know, the brother then had to flee. It was just big, big mess. Any one of us, when we're placed in a corner, we do things that we're not very proud of. I mean, when we feel things are unfair, then we protest. And that's where uh, deception comes from. When we're protesting, we think we're going to get away. We're going to get what we want when we deceive. Now, there was a study done with these monkeys um, to see how this works exactly. And um, in the next clip I'm about to show you, the monkeys were given, were told, both of the monkeys were told to do the same task, to give a rock to the researcher there, to the scientist, and they were both awarded with a cucumber. But after a while, one of the monkeys was awarded a grape instead. And let's see how the monkeys reacted to this. Right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece she eats. Uh, then she sees the other one getting grape, and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber, and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now. Gets again cucumber. She tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. See, when life is unfair, then what do we do? Of course we protest. <laughs> of course we say this is unfair. We want grapes too, dang it. <laughs> A cucumber is not, it's enough if everybody's getting a cucumber, but if somebody's getting a grape, which is much sweeter, then how come we don't get a grape? I imagine Jacob and Isa feeling this tension between the brothers, this tension in that relationship. Now, Jacob lives a life that is filled with deception after that. His, you know, he's deceived by his he flees, first of all, from his home. He goes, hangs out with his uncle. He's trying to marry this girl over there. He's deceived again. Then he deceives the uncle. It's his back and forth deception over deception. And there comes a point now that Jacob has been away from the house for 20 years. And he wants to return home. But return home meant that he had to face what he did had to face himself, had to face God, and had to face Isa. The story continues with, before he's able to go back to Isa, he's in the middle of the desert, and, he, and an angel comes down and wrestles with him. He's wrestling with himself in that moment, you see. And then, then he surrenders. I think he faces his deception, and there's a moment of remorse in his heart. 
and he's able to meet his brother Esau. See, God is interested in our relationships and how authentic our relationships are. So here's this last part. Dr. Dan O'Reilly, he's the behavioral economist and psychology professor at Duke University, did a test on this lying to see what prevents people from actually lying since we all lie. Since we all, if given the opportunity, will lie. Um, Is there anything that prevents us from from lying? Is anything that helps us be more honest? He did this research on lying and cheating, and he basically uh, asked these students to come in. He gave them um, a test uh, with 10 easy math problems, but he didn't give them enough time to finish it. So, and he said, I will pay you a dollar for each answer. So the first group, they, they fulfilled about four answers, four out of the ten. But the second group, he said, after the test was done, he told them, you don't have to actually pass in the test. You can rip it up, and you can tell me how many you got right, giving them the opportunity to lie in that moment. Now, from four average, they averaged seven, of course. And then he thought, well, what if I make each question worth $10 instead of $1? Will people lie more? So again, he did this test, he raised the the price for each question, and he found out that that they didn't lie more, concluding that most people lie or cheat just a little when they're given an opportunity. The numbers didn't go up so much, and why? The reason why most people just lie a little is because they still want to feel good about themselves. You see, if you lie a lot, then you become actually a liar. (laughs) And nobody actually wants to have that title. So he thought, what can I do to prevent them from lying? Is there anything I can do? So he tried this thing. He asked the students, before they took the test, to recall the Ten Commandments. Now, these students weren't necessarily religious or Christian or Jewish. It didn't really matter if they even knew all the Ten Commandments, just to see if they can recall any portion of it. And this is what he found. People who were asked to recall the commandments before the opportunity to cheat, or he also advised them in an honor system for some of them, didn't lie or cheat at all. Just the, just the notion of this idea of recalling the Ten Commandments kept people from being deceptive, cheating, and lying. Isn't that interesting? And now you might ask, why do we come to church? (laughs) We come to church to be reminded of what God is calling us to do and who God is calling us to be. And we need that on a weekly basis because we often forget. Every week, I know we're going to have pressures in this life. Life is going to be hard. There's grief. There's bills. There's things that need to get done. We can feel inadequate. But every time we return back to a place of worship, we can be reminded that God is calling us into this authentic relationship with God first and an authentic and honest relationship with each other. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for the ways that you remind us of the people that we're called to be. Yes, Lord, it's true that when given the right opportunity, we fall so quickly. We, we forget, especially when we feel pressure, oh God. We, 
we can deceive one another. We deceive ourselves. We live in this, this lie. But God, you are calling us out of this. You're reminding us that we belong to you, that we are your children, and that you've called us to have character and an honest, authentic relationship with you. So, God, this morning, encourage us, empower us to be honest people, to change this world that we live in, even though we're a post-honest society. Let us be the leading force to make this world an honest place again. In Christ we pray. Thank you.